Welcome, everyone, to episode 37 of the Food Safety University podcast. I'm your host, David Zarling, and today we'll be diving into part seven of our new plant manager series, the Training Program Audit. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannensteel of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn about food safety and processing in plain terms. We'll break down the ins and outs of HACCP, the food code, and much, much more so that you can easily implement and manage your own food safety program and even have some fun while doing so. Welcome everyone to this week's installment of the New Plant Manager series. Again, I'm David Darling, and uh, today we're going to be talking about assessing or auditing your current company's training program. As we all know, training is an essential part of productivity on the floor, uh, but I'm going to make a case today that a, a robust training program is actually more beneficial to your company culture, which then in turn is beneficial to your bottom line. And so I want to start us off with a quote um, that I heard from someone that that uh, I have a lot of respect for that I worked with uh, at a company uh, over the last couple of years. And uh, this fella is an expert in value-added processing and restaurant management, um, various other things. And he once told me a quote that he heard, and it goes like this. And you've heard me say this before, but, but I'll just restate it. <clears throat> it goes like this. What if we invest all this time and money into our employees to, to train them just to have them go somewhere else and take these skills with them. I mean, we, we've all heard this, right? We've all thought this. This is a common sort of uh, gatekeeping occurrence. So what if we invest all this time and money into our employees and then they just leave? And the answer to that question was, what if we don't train them and then they stay? You see, and I can't tell you how many times I've uh, walked into a plant as either a, a new manager or as a consultant and seen this sort of culture where there's no training program. Um, you, you know, we only hire entry level workers with no experience so that they can come in at the lowest wage possible, throw them out on the floor and then let them acquire knowledge and skills via word of mouth from various employees. And we've, that's a common occurrence, especially in manufacturing plants, especially in the meat industry, uh, on farms, you know, whether it's vegetable or livestock, it's just in restaurants in commissary kitchens, it's ubiquitous. Right. And there, there's a few things that are really, you know, um, really wrong with that approach, the, the not training people. And the first is that if you're not training them, then who is? We don't. You don't really know, right? So you don't know what information they're getting. If it's not standardized, you don't know um, what's being shared out on the floor and through what lens, right? Do you have an employee that has been there for a long time and is over it? <clears throat> Do you have an employee that also has not been trained and has feelings about that? You know, there's there's some really impressionable times right when an employee comes on uh, and you know how they're being trained and how they're being engaged right off the bat is so, so, so important. Um, and so 
we're going to suggest uh, some different ways that we can create a, a nice training program that gives everyone clear work instructions, expectations, time goals. They know how to measure themselves, right? That's incredibly important. How do we know we're doing a good job? Uh, and then, you know, there's accountability built in. And it plays right into our job descriptions program that we talked about in the organizational audit. <clears throat> and it also really supports, you know, internal uh, hiring programs. When people have job descriptions and work instructions, maybe they want to learn something new and will apply for a different job on their floor they haven't done before, right? Promotes cross-training. Another benefit is employee retention. I, I got to tell you, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's called Manager Basics as part of the Manager Tools uh, kind of program. And their CEO, Mark, who is, gosh, just an incredible manager. I mean, like the modern Drucker. I'm, I'm going to say that on the record. I, I just think he's great. Uh, and his team is really great. And, um, you know, one of the things they talk about is that what all what everyone wants to wants at work is to know what to do. What what is my job? What is my expectation? What does done look like? Right? And uh, you know, I was reading in this Forbes article as I was you know uh, researching for this this episode, and um, they say that one of the biggest barriers to employee retention is the inevitable learning curve. That length of time, sometimes a week, sometimes a couple of months that it takes for your new hire to learn the ropes and become acclimated to life in their new role. And that's why in training person is so important. It helps you oversee the learning curve and when it's appropriate adjust. Um, you know, having an in-person training program, not just automating things via videos uh, where you have, you know, office hours or you're on the floor with them or you're in the field with them, whatever it may be. If you take that mentor uh, approach and apprenticeship approach, you, uh, you're there, you're able to give people context, right? That's the thing. I've found that when, when I've worked on a meat line, like a boning line, um, I've just said, okay, cut it this way. Trim the fat cap to this, to this, you know, uh, three, three sixteenths of an inch. Do this, do this, do this. And people will do that, but they'll get, uh, humans have a tendency to want to do a great job, right? So we, so we get super bogged down by the details and we're trying to do what we think is perfect. When you're there to give context, sometimes when someone understands what the purpose of the process or the or the specific activity is, then they can be creative and figure out how to innovate their approach to that task. Right? So so having that robust program where you're actually there training them, giving them context, um, it can inspire creativity. And when you feel creative at work and you're, you're, uh, you know, you are contributing to the overall, uh, results, you want to stay there. You want to stick around. So employee retention is a really big one. No doubt about that. So when it comes to creating your training program, it's just like any other program, you know, we do a risk analysis. And if you go by production unit in your plant, if you're making cheese, you know, you've got your, your raw room, you've got your aging room, the people that work in these different environments, uh, and the process flows that are associated with the activities, it you know you want to do a, a risk analysis based on training. And so, if I was on a, a a slaughter floor in a meat plant, I would say, okay, I would look at every station, and I would look at every station as my process flow, and I would do a risk analysis or a hazard analysis, and like, okay, what if I don't train 
the knocker or the stunner on the slaughter floor. Well, that's a critical control point, right? I mean, <laughs> that's that's a really big one. You know, nothing will go right if no one's trained there. And, and honestly, like every station is that way, but you could show the, the actual risks. You know, if I haven't trained the person that's on the evisceration station, there's biological hazards there, there's physical hazards there. It's a big deal. And so you want to look at your plant and, and, and look and, and really, you know, gain visibility into where the risks are if there's no training. And that's where you begin building the program. These are the, these are the, the uh, trainings I need to, de- to develop. Uh, and you should also have a training module or a training uh, section associated with every SOP and prerequisite program, right? Something that you do every day, you have to train on. At, at my last plant that I managed... We had a training session on how to answer the phone. It's incredibly important to business and how your team answers the phone, the business line, will show up on your bottom line. I promise you this. It will show up on the on the volume uh, of work that you're doing because it's incredibly important in the relationship building process with your customers how you answer the phone. So we train on that, right? Because there's an SOP. And so it's incredibly, incredibly important that we train not to the SOP exactly though, Right. Um, you want to train to the work instructions that are part of the SOP that you find in the program, right? That's one of the elements of the program that we talked about in the last couple episodes. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Here's an example uh, of some, some, an SOP or a product spec for a beef flank steak versus work instructions. Okay, so I'm going to read directly out of the North American Meat Producers Guide, uh, the buyer's guide. Beef flank steak. This boneless item consists of rectus abdominis muscle from the flank region of the carcass. The flank steak is located at the cod or utter end. It is separated from the transversus abdominis, obliquus abdominis internus, and obliquus abdominis externus muscles through the natural seams. The, the item shall be prepared practically free of fat and membranous tissue. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like take that out to my cup floor and distribute that because uh, we're processing like, you know, 5,000 beef flank primals today. <clears throat> First of all, just no, no, no one speaks Latin. No one knows medical terms. No one's going to know what any of that means except for almost free of fat, right? Let's be real. And it's not to anyone's fault. It's just that's not language that we use in the industry. This is not this is not our jargon, right? So work instructions look like this. Place flank primal fat side down. Locate uh, flank steak muscle. Trace with your knife. Remove membrane. Peel from flank primal. Clean of excess fat. Square off flat end. Roll and package. You know what I mean? Like that is something that a meat cutter would understand. That's what a butcher would understand. So we want to make sure that that uh, we're we have um, a training SOP written to the work instructions for whatever the product spec is or the SOP or the uh, the prerequisite program. You know, in the in the preventative maintenance guide. We're not going to just put in how to take apart. We're not, we're, you know, if we need to disassemble uh, the the vacuum tumbler, 
we're not going to put just the exploded engineers diagram there as the training program. No, we're going to put together a nice binder with photos, work instructions, you know, how hard we torque something, uh, what tools we use. That's really important that, that that's how we're constructing these. Because if we want someone to be successful, if we want to give them context, if we want them to understand what they're doing and, and want them to innovate those things, because we want people to have ideas, then they need to, they need to have a great set of expectations because that's what work instructions are. It's an expectation. It sets the spec. Another thing that, so I've got some tips, uh, for, for how, how to, you know, better construct these programs, uh, in addition to the one I just gave you. So, so one of them is to approach with what I like to call, uh, a mise en place mindset. I had a chef that I worked for at my very first restaurant kitchen job. And this was arguably the most impatient person I've ever met in my entire life. However, uh, that doesn't matter because he was such an excellent explainer. And so, and, and, and this, and this was just how he was like, you could be hanging out with him on the weekend and we're going to play badminton and, and the way that he's, he's going to be painful when he describes it to you. Right. And this, this was the formula though. This is the formula for how to do something. So if I was going to cut two bus tubs of onions, okay. Into just julienne strips, here's what he would say. Ezra would say, first he would do that. He'd take a deep breath and he would say, first you will go grab one kitchen towel for your belt, one kitchen towel to be slightly moistened and placed under your cutting board. You will gather one green cutting board because that is a vegetable cutting board. You will gather one chef's knife, two bus tubs of onions, one waste basket. You will from there. And then, and, uh, you know, and he would just go through the whole process just like that. And before he told you how to do anything, before he taught you anything, he would tell you everything that you needed. Right. And there were times when he would give me the list and I, you know, I think the first time he gave me the list, I didn't write it down, which, which I came to find out was like pretty common. And then I went and got what I remembered and I came back and I was like, Oh, is this it? And he was like, I don't know. Did you write it down? And if you don't know, if you, if you didn't listen to me, then you're going to learn this another time. And, and learning things is such a motivator, right? Everybody wants to learn. So, um, I got it right the second time. But the point is, is that you, you approach it with what they call the mise en place, uh, mindset, which I think roughly translates to everything in its right place. And uh, you want people not to just understand the actions, but the materials that go into it and how to set it up. So training is setting up the equipment, gathering all of the pieces. What are the pieces called? Where do you find them? You know, um, what are you going to need for this project start to finish so that people can gather everything that they need and then let it rip rather than like starting and then stopping and going and getting something. I mean, that's how the training, that's how, that's how I train. So you know exactly what the entire process looks like when you're going into it, you prepare yourself and then you do the thing, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, don't fully automate. Uh, I understand that when, you know, when you're developing training programs remotely, that they can oftentimes be automated. But I think, you know, I, I take a look at Food Safety University. Yes, most of it is videos and online, right? However, and, and, and that's incredibly beneficial because you can do the work whenever is convenient for you. Like I'm, I'm getting uh, trained in preventative controls right now and I watch those videos like at night after dinner. I sit down and I watch a video and I, and I do my homework. And that works really well for me <clears throat> because I like to make hay when the sun shines, literally and figuratively. Uh, 
but but the thing is is that then there's office hours then there's someone on the other side of an email there's there's these personal interactions um where i'm working with dr p or ross who's on our team i'm talking with them through problems when i have them and so if it was fully automated i would feel totally alone and there'd be no accountability if if there is time with a teacher or a mentor or whatever that gives that builds an accountability and it gives a time to ask questions. And, and that's so, so, so incredibly important. Daily lineup. So this is not necessarily a training thing, but it does help people stay focused uh, when they're learning. So I do recommend on a production floor of any kind, a farm, a restaurant, you have a daily lineup where everyone on, on the staff gets together that's on that team and you tell every single person what they're doing what's happening for the day and how long everything should take. Right. And so that gives people a lot of direction and, and really supports the training program when you have trainees so that they have some time expectations because, you know, you can really go down the rabbit hole of being a perfectionist when you're, when you're new and it's important that people understand um, how to plan and manage their time, you know? And so it's incredibly important that you have that, that lineup to support the training program. Another thing, you want to really create an atmosphere where people can ask questions. And that's why when we talked about the organizational audit, we talked about onboarding and the scavenger hunt. So it's, it's really important when you're building this training program <clears throat> to make sure that you're making connections, right? When you have somebody that's onboarded, they go around and meet all the managers and the supervisors in the plant and like other key folks. And it's so that they feel comfortable to ask questions and they feel comfortable like they're at home and, and they're welcome, right? And so... Um, it's important that during the training program building process, you're identifying all of the stakeholders and people that could be uh, helpful during this training process and you make those connections. You introduce those people. You create that open door policy so that their training can feel supported and, uh, and like they have expertise validating the training program itself and giving contacts, as I mentioned before. And again, uh, the work instructions, when you write those, write them in order of process flow. Don't just give a bunch of bullet points of like, oh, you ought to do this when you do this. And remember this tip, like go through the process as the process flow exists and give the work instructions in a chronological order. That maybe seems like low hanging fruit, but you, you'd be surprised, right? So um, again, the training program, it's, it's so incredibly important uh, to company culture because when, when folks feel that purpose and they're engaged in work and it's genuine, you know, it's not an automated dry training program, but it's something that's collaborative. You may be thinking to yourself, oh, we don't have the time for that. I would argue if you don't have the time for your superintendents or supervisors or foremen or uh, managers to train, then we need to go back to the, the basics and the block and tackle stuff and figure out, are we really meeting our bottom line? You know, uh, it's, it, if we don't have time to train, then we don't have time for anything because it's just a matter of time until the system breaks down. And, uh, you know, creating that company culture is so important to employee retention and, and having that, you know, uh, very team oriented, uh, dynamic within the, within the plant or, or the facility or whatever it is. Um, and we highly, highly recommend approaching it in the program form that Dr. P and I talk about all the time. So, uh, you know, Food Safety University talks a lot about training. It's a training program itself, but it also uh, shows you where to train throughout your program. And, and I really, if you're in a spot where you want to learn more about that, about building SOPs, 
what prerequisite programs you should have in your food processing facility. I couldn't recommend that program more. It's, um, I mean, I guess I'm biased, but I was a customer before I was a, a, um, a colleague, right? And um, my team was completely unaware of the entire SOP prerequisite training people and organization process and and uh, really turned on a lot of light bulbs so i couldn't recommend it more and if you have any other questions about how to create a training program or or um would like us to audit yours and get suggestions just drop us a line david at deergo food safety or to dr p michelle at deergo food safety um Everybody have a great week, uh, happy Memorial Day, and keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. Before you go, click the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com, where we have free food safety guides waiting for you. Until next time, keep up the great work.